You're listening to Shoreshoe Presbyterian Church Podcasts. Today we're starting our new series called There Must Be More to Christmas. Today, Sonia is asking if there's more to Christmas than being tired out. Well, 2nd of December, uh, that means it must be, what, 23 sleeps until Christmas? I wonder how many of you are excited? Who likes Christmas here? A few excited. Um, how many are prepared? I know from talking to somebody that they have been preparing from the start of January. <laughs> yep. But I think that for many of us, we have reached this time of year and we are tired. Um, I would say some of you probably describe yourselves as feeling a bit worn out. And so the thought of December and all that needs to be done can leave you feeling a wee bit overwhelmed. Um, You're perhaps thinking it'd be nicer to lie down in a dark room than to think about what presents you have to buy, cards you need to write. Life is busy, isn't it? It's hectic, it's tiring, and this season, I think, just seems to add to it. And so in this Christmas series, we're looking at the theme, there must be more to Christmas. Um, So today, I'm looking at there must be more to Christmas than being tired out. There has to be more to this life, more to this Christmas than being tired out and worn out. Should be a wee picture come up. I saw this and I thought, that feels like me, go away, Christmas tree. Um, We were up in Ikea yesterday for coffee, really. Um, But the queue of people looking for Christmas trees, I felt like that woman. I just wanted to lie down with my coffee, ignore the Christmas tree. But anyway, we're going to look at the Christmas story and we are going to think about one of the people involved in the birth of Christ and how they must have really understood what it is to be tired and worn out. They must have been physically and emotionally tired out. And I'm sure that when the big day rolled around, they were feeling pretty shattered. So let's read together Luke chapter 2. And we'll just start at verse 1. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem in the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And then if you go on over to verse 15, and this is uh, when the shepherds are out in the fields and the angels come to them. But when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning about what they um, had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, um, which were just as they had been told. We'll just finish the reading there. You know, for us, we think of all the extra activities this time of year, carol services, um, nativity plays, 
Christmas parties, traveling to visit family, then buying in special food, searching for meaningful presents. And all of that for us is pretty exhausting. And we know that as December's hit, our workload definitely increases. If we felt tired before, then this has only exasperated our, tar- our weariness. But as we read this passage this morning, we can't help but think of the tiredness and weariness that Mary must have felt by this stage. Her life had been completely turned around the moment that the angel told her she was going to have a baby. She was a young girl. She was probably 12, 13, 14 years old. We know she was willing to be obedient to God, to do what he had asked of her. And so by the time we get to this part of the story, Mary would have been eight or nine months pregnant. And as many women know, this is a stage of pregnancy where you feel utterly exhausted because the baby's getting bigger, you're getting bigger, it's heavy, and it's just awkward to do anything. I can't imagine then how she must have felt when it was discovered that her and Joseph needed to go back to their home place, go back to Bethlehem to register a census. It would have been a long old trek. That map's super hard to see, but if you have eyesight that is powerful, there's a journey on there. And the journey um, between where they were traveling and Bethlehem was close to 90 miles. Um, the shorter way, I think, was 80. Is that what your records say? I'm mean, about 80 miles. So it would have taken them at least three or four days of travel. What would that journey have been like for her? The nativity plays always include a donkey. It wouldn't be a nativity play without a donkey, but it doesn't really mention that in the story. So we don't know how she traveled, um, but probably on a donkey. Um, the journey would have been arduous, I think, to say the least. And we know that when they arrived, there was nowhere for them to stay. So they ended up in a kind of stable or a barn. And it was here that baby Jesus was born. There's no fancy home from home rooms like we have in the Ulster. No afterbirth care. Just this young girl nursing a newborn in a stable. She isn't really given much of a chance to recuperate and recover. She doesn't have much time for reflecting on what has just happened. For it says, as we read, that the angels appeared to the shepherds in fields close by and told them about the birth. And these shepherds really couldn't wait to see the baby. It was a bit like the enthusiasm of grandparents who had standing outside the room waiting to see the new grandchild. But they had been told that this baby was the promised Messiah. They had been waiting on this to happen. And now God had told them that it had finally happened. It's no wonder that they were enthusiastic. They headed straight there and saw the baby and then they spread the news all over. And I wonder how many other people then went for a glimpse at this baby, at this promised Messiah. So for Mary, a long journey, a birth in a stable, a room full of strangers, never mind being a young mom trying to learn how to feed her baby. I think that it's fair to assume that Mary's first Christmas with baby Jesus would have been very tiring. But you know what? The beautiful part of this story is it doesn't ever focus on that. And instead, when we look at this girl in this situation, it says in verse 19 that Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Although it was traumatic, although she would have been exhausted and tired, she had much to treasure, she had much to ponder. In the middle of the chaos, she knew that the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, was with her and that she was part of something very, very special. The Son of God was now present And she knew that everything was going to be very different now. And I think there's much for us to take from this story. 
you know, you're here, most of us are here this morning, we're not nine months pregnant, facing a hike before delivering a baby in a barn, but we do understand what it's like to be physically tired. We understand what it's like to be emotionally drained. You understand what it's like when things don't go as planned, and sometimes everything just feels so difficult. I think for many of us, we get tired from all the running through the year, all activity that we or our families involved in, the lack of sleep, the pressures from our workplaces, illnesses, church commitments, and so on. And so when we get to this time of year to Christmas, we actually look forward to a few days off when schools are off, activities are stopped, work is off, and phew, we can finally breathe. But then what happens? Our usual busyness is replaced by the busyness of Christmas. And so that cycle just continues. I just think there has to be more. It says Mary pondered and treasured these things in her heart. Through all that she faced, she was experiencing a God moment. And she wasn't allowing that situation to rob her of the reality that God was present, literally present in her arms. And for us at Christmas, we consider and remember the birth of Jesus, the saviour of the world being born as a baby. We remember God becoming man and making his dwelling among us. And in the middle of the madness of life, in the pit of our weariness and tiredness, do we have those moments where we ponder, where we treasure, moments where the reality of God with us actually changes us? changes our perspective, gives us hope, makes us hungry to encounter more. To not just continue being that hamster, running in the wheel, getting more and more tired, but feeling that there's no way to get off the wheel. You know, what does Jesus have to say to us this morning if we are feeling tired out, worn out, burnt out? Is it actually possible that things could be different for us, that things could change in us today? Could we leave here experiencing something different? Could Christmas look a little bit different for us this year than just facing it being tired out? I want you to turn with me to Matthew 11. And we'll start reading at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was for your good pleasure. So this is something for us. It's not for those who are highly intelligent to get. This is something for us. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus spoke this passage, he was speaking to the people of Israel, and for them, they were just being burdened and weighed down with all of the do's and don'ts that the Pharisees had given them. God had given them a set of instructions for life, but then these religious leaders made those instructions so much more taxing and complicated, even more impossible to follow. And so the people of Israel were so focused on performing, so focused on doing the right and perfect thing, that it became this load on their shoulders that really was too heavy for them to carry. And as you try to follow the law and keep doing the right thing, it always leads to incredible feelings of guilt, um, frustration, dissatisfaction. They were trying to obey all these laws before them, but it was impossible. They felt that they could never do enough or be enough. 
the law really felt them bound, left them feeling bound and tied up. And I think for many of us, we can have those same feelings of guilt, frustration and dissatisfaction because we feel that although we're doing everything for everything, every, everything for everyone, we never feel like we are doing enough. Do you ever feel like that? You're doing as much as you can, but it never feels enough. You give to your work, but you leave your work feeling that you have neglected your family. You give to your family, but you're frustrated because you haven't been able to give as much to your work. You want to be a really good friend, but then your busyness prevents you from being the friend that you know you could and should be. You want to be a really great Christian, to love God with everything, but even there, you can feel you're not enough or haven't done enough or been enough. And so we race and we run and we busy ourselves. We keep saying yes. We keep committing to things and to people. We keep setting those standards really high and never really reaching them. And so we all feel pretty exhausted and we get weary and tired from trying so hard. And so in this passage, Jesus is speaking to the people of Israel, but he's also speaking to us. And he is saying, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come. It's an invitation. Jesus is beckoning us to come. It's a call to change focus, to lift our eyes from whatever is consuming us and come instead to Jesus. Come to me. That's personal. It's coming right to him. It's an invitation to relationship. It's a call to be intimate and personal with Jesus. Who is he asking to come? All, all you who feel weary and burdened. The call to come to him is for us all. And sometimes that load on us, whether it's keeping a house, trying to get ourselves established somewhere, managing an inbox that has thousands of emails that we've yet to open, it can feel that there is a load on us that we are burdened and we feel that we have to carry it around and that there's nothing we can actually drop. It can all feel so heavy and physically, emotionally, we get tired and weary with it all. And it's to us when we're feeling this way that Jesus is saying, come, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and tired. I was thinking of the words of that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, the verse starts in it, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus is saying, come to me, turn your eyes to me, lift your gaze, your focus and remember that I am here. I am present. I am Emmanuel, God with us. He says that he will give us rest. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He will give us rest. He's not saying that you need to learn the 10 steps on how to rest, but rather Jesus is saying, I will give you rest. It's available. It's a gift. I love this passage. I love that there's such a promise in it. Promise in it. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. But as I've thought about it this morning, I've really wrestled with it. Because I don't want us to leave here this morning thinking, well, it's all good in theory. It's something that we all agree with. It's a lovely promise. But it never, we never actually encounter much of it at all. I know how tired many of you are before we even hit December 25th. 
And I long for Jesus to impact us so much this morning where we don't live consumed with the weariness that we feel where we can encounter what it means to come to him, where we will know what it means for him to give us rest. So what is Jesus saying when he tells us to come to him this morning, that he will give us rest? What is this rest he's promising? Does it mean that we resign from life, that we cancel our email accounts, move to a remote area, ignore the pressures? Does it mean taking your kids out of any extracurricular activities so you don't have to do the running? Does it mean devoting less to your work, not giving it 100%? Is it a feet up, zoned out kind of thing? You know, I don't think so. I believe that God is saying that we can experience rest in the middle of it all. That our hearts, that our hearts can be at rest. And when our hearts are at rest, then somehow other things get into perspective and perhaps a different way of doing life is found. Jesus tells us to come to him to be in relationship with him, to do life with him at the center, to know that he walks with us, guides us, that he is in control, even if we feel everything is out of control. To know that in being with him and finding intimacy with him is a way of finding life. That when Jesus is present, we know that everything is going to be okay. That whatever we're facing, whatever ahead of us, whatever is ahead of us, he is present. And he is doing it with us. We're not alone. We're not abandoned. That we don't have to live our lives in a mad frenzy. We don't have to exhaust our minds. We don't have to be at all for everyone. Because when we know where we stand with him, when what he thinks about us means so much more than what other people think about us, when we feel his forgiveness, his safety, his protection, when we feel guided by his Holy Spirit, that's when we encounter rest. I love how the message paraphrases um, this passage in Matthew. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out in religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live lightly and freely. Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And I was reading a blog post recently and um, the blog's called Dance in the Rain and the author talks about how Jesus didn't just offer us rest but he shows us how to do it how he experienced rest. And she talks um, about this. She says, Jesus modeled spiritual rest. He took time to be alone with God. This was the first priority in his life. And he knew that he needed to hear God's voice. He needed to understand God's direction and rest in God's presence. Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed after ministering to others, after being busy, before he poured himself out again, Jesus left everyone and spent time with God. And that pattern of Jesus is repeated throughout the gospels. Jesus also modeled physical rest. He fell asleep in a, in a boat when the storm was raging, um, when everybody else was frantic. After John the Baptist's death in Mark 6, it said, because there were so many people coming and going, they, the disciples, did not even have a chance to eat. 
And so Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus knew that when the disciples were physically and mentally exhausted, too busy even to eat, it was time to withdraw. It was time to rest. Lastly, Jesus modeled mental rest. Jesus was unafraid to pull away and leave the crowds, even when they desperately wanted him. He would get into a boat with his disciples. He would go to the other side, away from the crowds. And it was often in the middle of the chaos when people were clamoring for him. But Jesus was clear on what God was calling him to do. So other people's pressing needs and their desire for his presence, it didn't drive his activity. I love that. Jesus knew what rest was. He knew what physical rest was, spiritual rest and mental rest. Isn't that what we too long for? Isn't that what you want as you approach one of the busiest times of the year? So for you and me this morning, what can change How can we move from a place of tiredness and exhaustion to a place of rest? Well, let's learn from from Jesus. Spiritual rest. Can you find moments where you get away with God? Where you spend time in worship and prayer and Bible study listening to him? If Jesus needed time with his father to be refreshed, then so do we. For me, Our house is manic and noisy and busy and there's only four of us in it so I can't imagine if you have six in your house what it's like. Um, So for me, time with God looks like commuting in the car. When I'm in the car, it's worship music blasting. It's time when I get to pray, time when I get to listen. Or at night when the house is quiet, before I switch off the light, it's a time to read. For you, what could that time look like? Where can you carve that time out of? Perhaps it's during your lunch break, instead of sitting in the canteen with everyone, that somehow you find time on your own. Or when you're out in your morning walk, maybe that's your time um, to spend time with God. If Jesus needed that time for spiritual rest, then so do we. Physical rest. God has given us a Sabbath. He created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh. And he's given us the same. Do you take a day off? an actual day off, a day where you're not hitting the shops or hitting the laptop, a day where chores can wait, a day where you can savor and enjoy what's around you, where you can enjoy space from all of the running. Do you allow your bodies to rest during the week? Do you take a nap? Or do you feel guilty if you take a nap? Do you get enough sleep at night? Are all the needs so pressing that you stay up later and later and later? Jesus is offering us physical rest, mental rest. Can you take time to switch off from all the deadlines, expectations, responsibilities, lists, and just rest? And know that things are not going to fall apart just because you have paused for a moment. Can you rest mentally, knowing first and foremost that you are a precious child of God who's forgiven, accepted, and loved? that all those other expectations of people on you, everything else is asked for you. First and foremost, you are a precious, loved, accepted child of God. That's how we mentally rest, away from everything else. I'd love us to take a moment now to rest, spiritually, physically, and mentally. God is here. He's present. He's in this moment. And I would love us to sense his presence 
to experience his rest and enjoy him just being at the center. We're not heading anywhere. We're not doing anything for these moments. It's between us and him. So if you're comfortable, um, if you'd just like to close your eyes. I'd love you just to relax your bodies. I know sitting in the pews, that could be quite tough. But just relax even your shoulders. Oftentimes we sit with our shoulders so tense and tight, uh, waiting for things to end or waiting for the next thing. So just relax your shoulders down. Relax your jaw. Sometimes that's where we hold so much tension. So that your body just does feel at rest. Now breathe. Be conscious of taking Big, deep breaths in and out. Right now, your mind might be busy. You might be fighting feelings of self-consciousness or what's happening later. But as you breathe in and out, allow your mind to be still, to be quiet. Allow your body to relax and hear the voice of Jesus saying, come to me. The Lord is your shepherd. You have all that you need. He lets you rest in green meadows. He leads you beside peaceful streams. He renews your strength. He guides you along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when you're walking through the darkest valley, you won't be afraid because he is close beside you. His rod and his staff, they protect and they comfort you. He prepares a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. He honors you by anointing your head with oil. Your cup overflows with blessings. Surely his goodness and unfailing love will pursue you all the days of your life and you will live in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that when we choose to come to you, We will find rest. We will know rest. We admit our tiredness, our weariness, our sense of being done. That we've taken on too much. We live busy lives and we crowd you out. We need you, Lord. In the middle of the chaos, in the sleepless nights, in the busy schedules, When our bodies ache, our minds are full. 
when our spirits are dry, we come to you. Lord, we want you to be present in it all. And we know that when you are in it with us, everything looks so different. Lord, thank you for Mary and how she treasured and pondered all that was going on, even in the middle of a tired, overwhelming time. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, you are present with Mary and you are present with us. We come to you as we are. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to another Shore Street Presbyterian Church podcast. You'd be so welcome at any of our services on a Sunday. We have three services. Our first is at 9.45. Our second is at 11am. And our third is at 6.30 in the evening. You'd be so welcome.